Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I had a thing called Bang Bang Cauliflower, which took me a week to uh, recover from. I was... I. I was delirious for a week <laughs> and just like <laughs> felt like I'd taken acid. It was so weird. Britain, an ancient kingdom with legends of violence, cruelty, and torment in its blood. Join your hosts, Ross, John, and James, as they bravely tread where few would dare. Witness their journey into the horrific history of British horror. They are... The General Witchfinders. With the 36th episode, somehow, of the General Witchfinders podcast. <laughs> I'm James in Bournemouth in southern England. Is it me now? It is you, yes. I'm Tom Pountney in South of Wales, which is still in the south of... It's in Wales, it's in the south of Wales, it's wherever you want it to be. It's it's part of your own psyche as a listener. Uh, yeah, Wales is more a, um, a, state, a state, of state of mind, mind rather than... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Ross in Dorchester in southern England. This time we met the woman, woman in black. You know the Drablo estate? Mr. Drablo was a China trader. He died out east. Now his widow has just passed away. I want you to attend the funeral. You're to stay on and clear things up. Sort out Mrs. Drablo's effects and any documents. And put the house up for sale. She has found ways to make me hear their calamity in the So tonight we are discussing the 1989 British horror drama television film directed by Herbert Wise, most famous for I Claudius or I Clavdivs, mm. who worked solidly from 1957 <laughs> to 2001 on everything from uh, generic 
ICV crime drama, The Bill. It's a nine episodes of Tales of the Unexpected, including oh. The Landlady, which may well be the episode that John talks about remembering in episode 29, which I can't Good remember. God. <laughs> the one, Is that? The one where the woman stuffs the people who come to stay in her house. Absolutely terrifying. <laughs> the peak terrifying moment of my entire childhood up to my, I don't know. I don't know when I've been more scared. I don't so maybe... ever recovered from it, John. <laughs> uh, go on, yeah, carry on, yeah. James. All right, okay. Well, and also, I've got to, once again, this is one of these things where I've got to take umbrage with Ross's script coming up here. Right, so yeah. it stars, the protagonist is Adrian Rawlins and Ross has put Harry Potter's dead dad in the movies and Mr. Pike in one episode of Neighbours. But hold that thought, Ross, because I was amazed when I figured out that he is, he's Nikolai Fomin in Chernobyl. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, yes, one of I the, did see he's yeah. someone in Chernobyl, yes. Chernobyl, one of the great things of the last sort of 10, 15 years on TV. Yeah, he's that, amazing. That the next thing after Neighbours, but, you know. Oh, I, yeah, I, yeah I absolutely. Just... So, yeah, he's in that. He's one of the uh, sort of the lead engineers of Chernobyl, and they all sort of try and blame each other for, you know, for the disaster. Uh, so he's in that. Did I tell and you most... about when um, we was using, like, the voice-activated thing on my on our telly, and it mm. didn't recognise what I was saying when I was asked to play Chernobyl? Mm. I kept saying, I kept saying, uh, saying play Chernobyl, and it would go... <laughs> And it would say, shut up. And, it just says, shut up. and I was, I went, and I tried it slowly. I went, shut, not ball. And it went, shut up, poo. That was the, inter- the, the artificial intelligence revolution is underway, everybody. Shut right, up. And then also, after that, most recently with me putting my inevitable Star Wars hat back on, he was in the sort of the best episodes of uh, Andor. Okay. He's oh, the doctor. Okay. He's the doctor in the prison looking exactly like he did the glasses and everything in Chernobyl. And he is sort of like the doctor who tells them what's really going on. Inside the- so recently, despite the fact that he was Mr. Pike in one episode of Neighbours, he's had a recent kind of Resurgent. late career resurgence. Absolutely. So well, I thought, and anyway, he's also you- in the, se- the, the modern day sequel to Woman in Black as well. Oh, okay. is he really? Yeah. Okay, right. yeah. Oh, is it worth pointing out that of course, he plays the father of Harry Potter, mm-hmm. who is the star of 2012's Woman in Black yes. Hammer Films reboot. Yes. Yes. Everyone will realise that that's listening, but I didn't know that until I read the Wikipedia earlier. And I oh. thought, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it says, but it also stars Bernard Hepson, who was in I, Claudius, mm-hmm. Get Carter, Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy. I'm assuming the TV version. Yeah. And Colditz, uh, David Dacre, who was in 93 episodes of Boone with Michael <laughs> Elphick. <laughs> oh, Silver! You got me, Lord Ranger. Anyway, so 84 episodes of Zed Cars, Time Bandits, and two Doctor Who stories for our Whovian friends. Uh, Iron Grom in The Time Warrior yeah. and Captain Rig in Nightmare of Eden. That means nothing. Oh, lovely. Have to tell me what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a John we story and a Tom Baker story. Lovely. Right? I wouldn't and say it's not one of Tom Baker's finest stories. <laughs> Uh, well, <laughs> he's got had many moments, I imagine, over his life, which weren't particularly fine. Oh, come on, the man. Yeah. It's a legend, right? Anyway, and Paulie Moran, who was Miss Lemon in many episodes of Poirot, and according to Ross, was bass player in the all-female band, The She Trinity, who had a top 40 hit cover of He Fought the Law in 1966. Who knew? He's breaking rocks in the hot sun He fought the law and the law was He fought the law and the law was 
So um, Hills, the woman in black, had already been adapted into a beloved stage play that went on to become the West End in London's second longest running non-musical after The Mousetrap. No way. Yeah. More recently, the story was filmed, as John's just mentioned, by Hammer when they when Hammer kind of was born again. Mm. As it again dies. Is oh, Hammer still has it gone they, again? They released a few little odds and sods. Something yeah. called, I think, Witchwood. Yeah. Which was yeah. W-Y-C-H Wood, yeah. and then I'm not sure. Mm. They did do a woman in a woman, the woman in black two. Yes. Bigger and blacker or something. <laughs> That's right. But um, I'm not black. sure. We uh, Helen and I went to see that and I did actually really like it. So that oh. one was set in the Second World War. It was total um cobblers, but it was a bit of a hoot. Um, Interesting. I'm gonna but, um, the, the, well, they got a film coming out called The Lodge, which Ooh. is coming out soon. Okay, okay. well, there you go. Yeah. That's, that, that's me, Tom. Thank you. Mm. Right. And then, as I said, so more recently, the story was filmed by Hammer Studios in 2012, starring Daniel Radcliffe and going on to be unbelievably, although I did see it, I saw, the, I saw this in the cinema, so it should be unbelievable that I bothered to go and see it. It went on to be the highest grossing British horror movie of all time. Good God. God yeah, right? The, this teleplay is adapted from the 1983 novella of the same name by Susan Hill. It yeah. focuses on a young solicitor who was sent to a coastal English village to settle the estate of a reclusive widow and finds the town haunted. I, did, I had no idea it was such an, uh, a modern novel. I thought, exactly. it, was, I thought yes. it was really old, yeah. No, no. No, no, yeah, because no. it, cause it She's plays from Scarborough, the, the uh, author. Yes, yes. I was going to say that to you, John. Of course, you John knew that already. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, the program was produced by Central Independent Television for ITV. Yes. Yeah. And it was filmed at Stanlake Park in Berkshire and using the causeway to OC Island near Goldhanger in Essex. Now, pause on that one as well, Ross, because I saw that because... Um, they've used that recently. Are, are you familiar with The Third Day? I mm-hmm. think this is something that we might look at. It had Jude Law in it. No. Oh, okay. And it was done for Sky. Mm-hmm. And it's it was very, very sort of folk horror heavy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it, um, the whole point is, is it takes place on O.C. Island. Okay. Uh, and the whole thing of it being cut, away, cut off by the tides. And thus all weird things go on. Is this similar it's, to it's, Mersey Island? Where's Mersey Island? I'm not sure. It's not on the Mersey. Okay, I'll look that up now. <laughs> but yeah, so the, the the third day could go, I know our list goes on for about five weeks, mm. the things we're going to look at, but it, that could be a potential one for us in the future because that's a really good sort of folk horror. Okay. Um, but, but anyway, but yeah, so OC Island, not the first time it's Mercy Island is in Essex, so maybe it's a similar place, but that is somewhere you also can't get to at certain times of day mm. because of the time. I have and to then, put my glasses down like this now because yeah, um, I, was, I was just looking at that. That's a good look, for you, John. <laughs> well, it reminds me of Jim Kirk at the end of um, Star yeah. Trek Two when ah! he has to put his reading specs. On. Yeah. But he doesn't go quite as cross-eyed as me <laughs> when. Um, and it's then, all part of that time loop, isn't it? Because uh, he goes back in time, sells the glasses, which they'd end up coming back to him. Is that true? What? Yeah. Because, what does that happen, Ross? Because he 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 has to sell four. He's, yeah, he sells the glasses in in, in four in order to make oh. some money because they don't have any cash but then he gets given them as a gift in Star Trek 3. I haven't seen 4 in so long. (laughs) Yeah, it was on the other day, wasn't it? It was on the other day. And the motion picture was on the other day, and um, the one with the Borg was on the other day. So Mm -hmm. God, these are... They and I and but then the um, J.J. Abrams Star Trek was on Mm. last night, Mm -hmm. and I Mm. and I said to Hell, 
when they cast the original Star Trek, they got so lucky with mm. all of the yeah. actors mm. because the J.J. Abrams ones are rubbish because all of the actors are fucking useless. Chris like Pine, Pine useless. Like Mr. Spock is awful. Well, I can't um, believe they cast so many Spocks over time. It's, I don't, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and Scotty, also, awful. Simon mm. Well, I was going to say, don't, don't say that to Simon Pegg because that one time that he turned up at a Star Trek convention and they did a... Th- thing with people there didn't they saying vote for your favorite star trek films of all time and he went yeah. absolutely mental when they put his ones at the bottom oh, like, yeah. and then it was all like oh no don't be mean to him everyone he's an alcoholic i'm like <laughs> yeah That's i think an alcoholic with a very thin skin some of yeah. everything but do you know anyway. the original version of star trek 4 was meant to be an eddie murphy vehicle yes yes, yes. 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 because because eddie murphy's a big trek fan and yeah. was very oh, keen to do it and it's all that. part of his deal with paramount yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. the option was either that or the make the golden child instead and he went for the golden child Imagine Anywho, that. Wait, wait, yeah, how would like... he face off against the charisma of the Trek team? <laughs> the original <laughs> William. I the other because motion pictures on the other day. I was like, mm. oh. how handsome is William Shatner? <laughs> he, I was like, oh my god, he looks amazing in this film. <laughs> yeah. He carries the whole film just by reaction shots of That's, models yeah. of the Starship well, Enterprise well, that he can't even see. It is ninety-eight percent reaction shots to models. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is going to have a really, really slow um, trip in the in the ship to the, alongside yes. it. Did look yeah, good, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it went on for. And by looks amazing. Might, this might this might be a cut out, but you, you, I think you'll both probably enjoy this story, Ross. You might know mm. it already. But there, there's a really good series on Amazon, which is one of those ones where you can watch it, but there's ads on it. But there's mm. only like one ad mm. per the half hour, mm. and yeah. it's kind of like it's the history of Trek. Mm. And uh, during lockdown, I watched it, of course, because yeah. we were taking time on our hands. And there was an amazing bit they were talking about making uh, Wrath of Khan, mm. and they said like, like Nicholas cool. Meyer was like dur- during the part where he went, um, like oh, w- when he sends over the the code to Khan and he says, <laughs> yeah, 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 here, yeah, here it comes, yeah. you know, and then you know, and then it says he says like. Shatner could not stop having it up and like every time he went here it comes <laughs> here it comes and, and I think like, he's got his glasses on at that part that's right point, and, and, and it's, it's apparently Nicholas Byer said I took him to one side and said look Bill this he I don't think he'd respond like this it's it's a life and death situation I think he'd be more serious and Shatner was like mm, I don't think so <laughs> and so he realized the only way to do it was he made him do it over and over and over again. Yeah. So he said, so that final take where he was really fucked off, he's mm-hmm. like, yeah. here it comes. He's like, that's <laughs> the last take. That's the one that we used. Yeah. Yeah. He just had to wear also, down Shatner. They, yeah. They're making, up, making such a big deal about them being old in the Star Trek films. And then you see Picard, where you got Willie, uh, where you got Patrick yeah. Stewart, like basically a hundred <laughs> years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still having sex. But it's yeah. just thin. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, I was looking at stills from um, the one where Picard meets Kirk the other day. I can't remember mm, what it's Generations. Called. And it's generations. literally, it's literally like they're making Kirk wear like an external truss. Yeah. Chop, he's, chopping logs. He's like, yeah, he's chopping logs. Yeah. But he's like hoiked into this like waistcoat thing mm. with a roll, with a polo neck. Well, Becker's asked to watch all Next Generation from the beginning. So we've got... Oh, us, what a treat. So we've what got as far as the episode where um, they were on the, they're on the sex planet and... Um, yeah. I know that doesn't narrow it down. Uh, on the that planet, is the one uh, where they, Wesley like trips over the, the thing, and they have to they they want to um uh, they want to kill him. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah that, that was, that's that's one of the ones that like the cast were like, "What are we making?" And they were like, threatened like, to revolt yeah. because they were, it's like, very it dreadful. sounds very Gene Roddenberry. But I didn't realize yes. it, like until I watched it as an adult 
how much they just said we're all going to go down and have sex. Um, yeah. and, and they take they take Will Wheaton's character down to see what it's like for children, and they're like saying, Ooh. and they get up to him and say, "Can you have sex?" And he's going, "Well, I haven't had sex yet." Uh, okay, that's, you can go over and it's like what. Yeah. What that season is this? Is out the, season one. The first season. The season yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cut season out of the one BBC and season version. two are really, really weird, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it only gets going after, like, they change the collars on their uh, yes. outfits. Yes. And they don't have one pieces anymore. Yes. Yeah. 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 But I kept going back. Can we, go, can we skip to season three? She's no, I want to watch all of it. Like, okay. <laughs> From yesterday's Enterprise onwards, they're oh, rocking from the good, good one. one. That's the one. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> right. Okay, so anyway, meanwhile, so where are we? On this. Wait, this this so hasn't even started to, yet. <laughs> OC Island. We haven't, but that's fine. Right, OC yeah. Island. Whilst scenes to re- <laughs> whilst scenes to represent uh, Crith and Gifford were filmed at the National Trust village of Lakehawk near Chippenham, Wiltshire. Were they really? Pre- apparently so. It premiered on Christmas Eve, nineteen eighty nine. I'm assuming on ICV, mm-hmm. and it was an yeah. it was an unexpected it was an unexpected success. Though author Susan Hill reportedly disagreed with some of the slight changes made by the screenwriter, who was one of General Rich Witchfinder's favourites, Nigel Neal. Most <laughs> that of you all right now, by Cleaver. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, that be aware sense. of as the writer of the eerie and downright terrifying uh, the, the Quasimass Tetralogy and the classic The Stone Tape, The yeah. Road and Beasts. Oh. Six horror stories based around <laughs> animals for ITV. And then go and check out episodes 5, 17, 27 and 34 for more Nigel <laughs> Canonical. Um, in this yeah. episode, I am going to make a case for this um uh, thing that we're reviewing being mm. part of the uh, Ghost Story for Christmas canon. Yep. Which mm. is, is BBC, mm-hmm. but I think there's a, so much going for this that I think mm. straight away, re-watching this, I haven't seen this for years, and last time I saw it, it was on, as I said, in a message to you two um, earlier, at best, an impressionistic um, reading <laughs> on YouTube where I think was about, like... Um, 72 DPI yeah. or something like that, or whatever the equivalent <laughs> is for yeah. um, TV scan. Hazy. But um, it, Hazy. It, it, it exists within the universe of um, uh, Warning to the Curious, yep. firstly, um, mm. Whistle and I'll Come to You, the Horden one. Um, it's so within that universe that, in yes. retrospect, I think that there's parts of it which are quite deliberate on. Nigel Neal's part. Yeah, it must be because mm. they're. It's kind of that era, but f- yeah. filmed in the style of the anti Brett Sherlock Holmes kind of. Yeah, that was yes. Literally the first thing Which I've written the same is time. we're in the feel of Brett. Yes. Um, <laughs> Sherlock Holmes. Which is, it, it starts exactly like that kind of thing, doesn't it? So mm, it's yes. a fairly luxurious 1980s ITV drama um, mm. when they were trying to kind of um, do fisticuffs with the BBC for like heavyweight. Mm. Stuff mm-hmm. Central didn't do many. Um, it was usually like LWT or um, Yorkshire Television. Mm-hmm. But um, um, it's a nice one for Central, this is, because, um, they, well, they didn't do... All they did was all they did was Crossroads, pretty much, I think. Yeah. When was the, the uh, Michael Caine, Jack the Ripper thing? What, what sort of... Uh, a year before 90. this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a year before. Oh, no, I think it was 88. I think it was 80s, yeah. Wow. So yeah. It's, it's a similar era to that. So they were putting big money into these, um, mm. kind, which I'm surprised Victorian. with this. Yeah, yeah, Meg Victorian. 
I'm very, very surprised that they didn't have a bigger name for this because the, the main guy is is an unknown, really, isn't he? Um, yeah. And I'm not totally convinced by him, but um, more on that as we uh, yeah. go on. Yeah. So, yes, we, we begin, don't we, with the fact that so it was scene setting, and I, I get my notes was, I'm guessing this is the 20s, because one mm, of the pieces, definitely. so it starts in a solicitor's office, and they're talking about getting compensation for people you know, suffering from gas or post-traumatic stress. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Gas yeah. in the war. So I'm guessing it's the twenties, isn't it? That that's that's kind of the, the vibe. And then we are introduced to our protagonist, who's Arthur Kidd, and that's one of the things that Nigel Neal changed. It's, it's Arthur Kipp in the yes, uh, in, yeah, because in, it was, in it, the was novel. it was a George Orwell name which he lifted in the novel. Uh, and he, he didn't like the fact that she she um, she lifted someone else's name. Oh, I see. Oh, I thought okay. it was maybe to make out that he's quite kind of young and inexperienced mm. and make it a very obvious mm. kind of punished name. Yeah. Um, mm. What I've got to start off by saying is that it's very strong typography with the um, quite austere um, title sequence, Cleves. Do you yeah. like that typeface? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's nice. It's, it's a bit Black Sabbath-y, yeah. which being central, maybe, you know, um, it's a Birmingham <laughs> br- Brummy. Uh, <laughs> maybe it's a particularly Brummy typeface or something. I don't know. Yes. but um. I thought that was um, kind of timeless, but also ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. But it was quite a cool intro, wasn't it? That yeah. typeface. So I listened to the um, the commentary on the Blu-ray. Can oh, I, yeah. Can yeah, anyone yeah, guess yeah. who did the, the commentary? It's Kim Newman. It's Kim Newman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kim Newman and, um, it's and Mark Gatiss. Mark Gatiss. Mark Gatiss. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Mark Gatiss. Uh, no, it's, it's Kim Newman, um, Mark Gatiss and Andy Nyman. Um, did, oh, yeah. interesting! And um, it's Andy Nyman's in this as one of the yes, um, sort of the. Did you two sparks? know beforehand yes. that he was in? This? No, I didn't. No, but um, I did because of the article that I'm going to bring to uh, because they interview him in that. Got to the end, and I was like, "God, he's really familiar." Because the one, the other Clark is very familiar as yeah. a TV actor of that mm. era and later in the nineties, isn't he? Yeah. But then I was like, "I can't. I don't know who that is." So I listened to find out the character's name. I was like. That's Andy Nyman. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. absolute. That's fucking mental. Like he must have been about fourteen when this was. It was his. It was his first, the first um, thing. First thing. That's wild, did. isn't yeah. it? But that again ties into the whole Mark Gatiss ghost story for Christmas kind of. Yeah, yeah. Um, League of Gentlemen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Weird canon world that that this mm. thing has kind of created around itself. Yeah, but one, mm. one of the things um, he so, said was interesting is um because I I because I thought well how did later on you'll see this officer in there's a fire in it and I thought how did they do mm. that. That's all a set, and I think that's a brilliant set. The office is yes, it offices, is really good. Yeah, and he said it was mm. really great to like his first thing was actually filmed on a proper set with a bell which mm. they rang when they when they were doing the takes and everything. And he said it was <laughs> it was great. He said he tried oh. to go in um, as every day he could, even if he was in it or not, because he just wanted. He was just so excited. To be that's, yeah, uh, that's speaking of my recent experience, which I don't know if we've mentioned to the listener yet. Um, no, well, we should say why. Yeah, why we haven't been around for a little while. Well, I've been for two months. I've been. Um, I could probably say what it's called and who directed it and stuff because mm-hmm. it's been announced. So I was the stills photographer and it, well, it's called unit stills photography, but I ended up doing um, a kind of documentary thing as well for the new Michael Sheen directed three episode uh, thriller for want of a better phrase. So it's called the way and it's on BBC one main BBC One next year sometime. Whoa. So it's not BBC One Wales, it's BBC Ooh, One. Proper BBC One. It's, on, so it's, it's networked, as they say in the trade. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's been very exciting. And But that's what I ended up doing, was even the days I wasn't wanted, 
I would go in and see what was happening because you do get strangely drawn in and institutionalized to the mad. Um, From the, the little bit of film stuff I did on thing, you, you just become really good friends with everyone. Yes. Uh, yeah. And then afterwards, not like, everyone. Oh, well, well, a lot. <laughs> and then you feel like we're going to be friends forever. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Then you never yeah. see him again. Well, I've made a few pals. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, I mean, that's been lovely because I, you know, I might do it again in some form because a lot of telly does seem to be made in South Wales at the moment. Amazing. But, um, yeah, it, it's a kind of infectious thing where, um, yeah, you don't want to miss out. It's like that fear of missing out thing, I think. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're in, a, we're in a kind of clerk's office, solicitor's business mm. with annoying clerks doing annoying laughter. And then the, our main character is called in to meet, um, David Ryle, who is one of my favourite British character actors, yeah. who is in a further case for um, uh, this to be canon for Ghost Story for Christmas. He's in the track take mid-off that Mark Gatiss directed in oh, 20... Yeah. Is that the one... I can't even remember which one. Is that the one, like, in the library? Yes. 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 With, um, with the master in it? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good one. But he's very good in that. He's the nasty man in bed who... Mm. Who's, um, so they're all MR James stories, the, the, this particular group. And this is very Jamesian. And I'll, and I'll say the bits that I've kind of zeroed in on later that I think particularly or, Can James. I give you a, a little... One, one of the chapters, you know this, one of the chapters in the book is called Whistle and I'll Come to You. Oh, is it really? Yeah. <laughs> it's the bit when the, when the dog gets um, lured away by the, by the ghost. <laughs> I've never read the book. I've read like the first 10 pages of the book and I didn't like it. So um, I'll try reading it again. Ah, interesting. So yeah, so he's called in by David Ryle and, and he's basically told, um, you've got to go away for a week and uh, you've got to go to this place. And it's kind of heavily implied that it's because his boss doesn't want to go. And then through expositional um, dialogue, you also find out that he's got a baby and a mm-hmm. wife because the baby is spewed on his jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's quite neatly done. It's, it's, yep. it's, I thought that was a little bit Jonathan Harker being sent off to Castle Dragon. Yeah, 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 well. yeah. Like, there is aspects of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, for me, and I've written one of the first things I've, I've written really is that this story, um, either knowingly or unknowingly, is like a collection of tropes mm. of yes. all of the archetypes of horror and um, mm. ghost Victorian fiction, isn't it? And they're all kind yep. of put together. And uh, Nigel Neal puts a bit of a modern spin on it in his way in this with, with the kind of use of the recording, mm-hmm. um, you know, the imposition of modernity into tradition and the use of the recording techniques. And but stuff, that was, apparently is, that was introduced because a lot of it's first person in the book. So they, they had to yes. have a way of like getting some of that kind of yes. narrative out. But that's classic um, mm. Nigel Neal. Mm. He loves the um, recording device. That yes, he yeah. loves the recording yeah. device. Was it the, um, well, Wagner's uh, ring cycle on a ball bearing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's bought his. Then we see a scene where he's with his kid, and he's bought his kid a kazoo, yeah. which they both proceed to blow the wrong end off, which I thought was a bit <laughs> yeah, weird. They wouldn't be on. Um, um, sorry, I haven't got. Sorry, I haven't a clue with that. And they're in a really horribly overlit room. Which I think I've used this metaphor before. It's literally like someone is arc welded in the corner. <laughs> and then I, when I was watching this on YouTube, their faces were just like blown out blobs because it was so overlit. It's like a Davison Doctor Who, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it's like Warriors of the Deep. Um, so then, um, this is my first James in bit. There's a bit where, um, when he's arrived, I think, in the place that he's been sent to, 
he's handed something and the person says, I think this is yours. And I think that's very much a um, in-joke from mm. Night of the Demon where the, the curse is passed. Oh, so, okay. yeah. uh, and I, yeah. is it the main posh guy or squire or what, yeah. whatever it is? Mr. Tuvi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, but, yeah, before we get on to that, that the, for me, the other kind of tropey bit was that, so he, he heads off to um what's it called again sorry wait, wait where's the place that it's called the north yeah the north or the midlands <laughs> that, that's right or wherever it is oh dear it sounds very you know uh slightly welsh doesn't it i wherever, literally wherever it didn't write it down, Jay, it down. no idea what it's called i was mad i thought i did <laughs> oh god right okay dreadful amateur amateur right anyway but anyway so while he's on the train he then does he then starts talking to the man in the carriage who says yes. oh, i couldn't help but notice your papers again very kind of classic horror film mm-hmm. british horror that, this might be the man yeah so, is, so yes. is this bernard hepton i believe so yeah yes yes and yes, he yes. says oh you know what are you coming you know why are you heading there for and he explains to him oh well, you know i'm a solicitor and i've been asked to go and deal with the uh, affairs of this this woman who has passed away and he says, oh, will you be attending her funeral? Yes. And he says, oh, you'll be the only one there. And so they kind of suggest that she was the sort of unloved, you know, unliked person. Mm. Um, and so that, that kind of setting up that, that feeling of dread. And then the, the best bit is, is that he turns up at the train station. Again, like a lot of the things we've seen, kind of provincial train stations, steam-powered trains. And he mm. gets off and he says, oh, I... You know, I, I need a taxi to take me. And, and uh, Mr. Tuvi says to him, a cab here at this time of night. And what I've written is that is every provincial town in the UK today after yes. nine o'clock. If yes. you turn up in any British town after nine o'clock in a, in a, tra- in a railway station and try to get a cab, yeah. oh, you want a taxi? After nine o'clock at night? I thought, oh, nothing's changed. Yeah. Yes. I was stuck so in Castle they- Carey for hours once. There you go. Right. So, <laughs> did she know? <laughs> hey, right. So he then makes his way into town. Um, stays in once again fantastic trope of yes. the pub. The, the grumpy landlord, the grumpy landlord, yeah, isn't it? Standard grumpy landlord immediately tries to boot him out, saying that he's gone past last orders because he's looking for Ken Boone. That's why. Yeah. Well, I like the bit where there's a bit where they, he's eating there, and they're all eating on long benches. And I thought I was going. Mm. Everyone thought that was amazing when Wagamama started doing that. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> Right, hang on. I think Boone was also made by Central. It was, I think, yeah. So that guy had a massive um, uh, payday, didn't he, from Central? Yeah. Yeah. How many episodes did you say did of Boone? Fuck. Uh, hang on. Like 90, 90 episodes. So like 89, I think. Uh, oh, silver! Silver! 93 episodes of Boone and 80. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> so say he was on £1,000 an episode. Yeah. Go figure, guys. All right. Yeah, you, we, you, we should just count math. our lu- we should just count our lucky stars that Neil Morrissey didn't make an appearance. <laughs> given his, uh, it was also now? central. So yeah. he's he that guy blessed the exactly. day that he saw the sign, the kind of moon sign with the uh, rainbow <laughs> the colors for Central Television. The, the, yeah. the moon, the boon, the boon, the boon moon. Uh. And I think, as far as I can see, the last time I saw Neil Morrissey, he was doing on a thing where a load of celebrities did the walk to Compostela in Spain, <laughs> did the Pilgrim's <laughs> Trail. One of one of whom was was the Reverend Kate Botley from Gogglebox. Oh, one of my but, yeah. one of my favourite programs of that of that kind yeah. of ilk was when they sent um, Joe Pasquale, the one who was Marlene off of um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Only Cause and Horses, and Biggins, um, off to Russia. <laughs> 
and um, yes. and then they 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 set it up to make it look like uh, they were going to get like shot by some and, like figures was just like no, and it was like grab my agent. Do you remember when Werner Herzog got shot being interviewed? Yes, on? by Mark Kermode. Yeah. Again, oh, it's all circular. He was shot he with says, an air rifle. Oh. Yes, <laughs> and he says it was an insignificant shot. I was like, That's <laughs> really weird. And they, um, and they, and they put Joe Pasquale and Marlene down some rapids, but Christopher Biggins refused to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Have we got to the bottom of Schofield's quest yet? Oh, God. Oh. Okay. His quest listeners. isn't to conquer a teenage boy. Uh, well, I, think it, I think it was. I mean. it, it was. It was a long game. <laughs> it's that we should point out to listeners who aren't over there, you know, uh, aren't, aren't, privy, aren't in our WhatsApp, our WhatsApp group. group. <laughs> <laughs> That I the other day, um, as often happens these days on social media, people find old copies of like the Radio Times and the TV Times. That's like TV Guide for our foreign, maybe American listeners. And um, someone put up one from sort of our kind of uh, the peak of our the apex of our youth, which is sort of like I think it was 1994 because later on in the evenings there were highlights from the World Cup 1994 on. Yes, and there, there was so, a special. So, I know, and, unless it was looking right? into the future or like looking far into the past, it would have been in that year, James. Yes, <laughs> I know, yeah, I know. Yeah, that, that but, was well deducted. Yes. Well, thank you. Right, but it was. It, it, it just said, "Oh, on ICV, Schofield's Quest," and quest. it was like the highlighted thing to watch that night with a very detailed description of it. Choice. And it featured a lot of supernatural goings on mm. that would be of great interest to us. Normally, yeah, yeah. And I said to these two straight away, "I, we need to see Schofield's Quest. We need quest. to see this. Yeah. We've got to find Is it. Is it out there, Cleves? Can you find the copy? Uh, I, I was just going to read what, what happened in it on here. Yes. Right? Uh, Philip Schofield turns celebrity sleuth for his one-hour special as he attempts to solve both earthly and psychic mysteries with the help of viewers and special guests and live in the studio. Who were they? Who were the guests? Amongst the riddles in the story are a Northamptonshire man who claimed he found a UFO in his back garden. Mm, An expert yeah. from the US a UFO Society goes along to investigate and viewers will be invited to offer any information they have seen or heard on the night of the landing. Schofield is joined in the studio by psychic Neela Jones, who has helped the police with previous investigations and will attempt to find clues to another unsolved mystery. Mm. Ex-Top of the Pops presenter, Tony yes, Daugherty, <laughs> goes to an Elvis auction in Las Vegas, hoping <laughs> to pick up some relics of the king, and Karen Keaton visits Oldham in Hampshire, no reputed to be the most mysterious place in Britain. Oh, Mysterious for what? Who knows? Mm. Yeah. Well, there you we go. We need to find that. We need to we do. it. We do. Yeah. Uh, is oh. there any uh, the ancient Ramin doesn't make a, an appearance on? No, that maybe, maybe that was would have, if it got picked up for a series. Maybe that would have um, yeah. been the next one. <laughs> so where are we at? Because I got I got to right, take my right. glasses okay. off. Okay, so read. he's turned up. He's um, our, our protagonist, Arthur Kidd, has turned up in the town. Oh yes, um, and people start to again give him the feeling that. Oh, you know, spooky house out there. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. That you've turned up. There are no other living girl out there. Yeah, yeah, there's no, there's no living relatives. Everyone's died off, etc. Everyone's dead, <laughs> right? And funeral tomorrow. So we, yes. then, we then have the funeral, and I did say that after found- a really weird market sequence where there's no dialogue, <laughs> and, oh. they, and it's they walk yes. through the market and they don't say anything, and you're like, why are they so heavily? trailing that it's a market day and you don't find out until after that after. scene do you which yes is, which is quite which is quite weird it, you know they could at least say they might say it's market day but then they walk through all these people and there's no dialogue it's really weird he says that like the, the pub landlord says oh it's market day tomorrow it'll be really really busy mm. 
but that's that that's as much as we get and then it's just gypsy selling heather of heather oh more on that in a minute yeah because yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I i've i've got a little uh, heather based anecdote got <laughs> <laughs> very exciting yeah, listeners not heather from but, EastEnders. Uh, it's not but i didn't have to wait well, I was watching, more exciting if it was i was watching best of um, harry hill the other night on um on youtube and there was there was, there was a whole thing they went on for nine months apparently where i forgot that heather got pregnant and it was like who is the father of heather yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it was the young boy was yeah. it darren or something like yeah. that i just say there are loads there's loads on go for his quest on youtube including a, a doctor who special <laughs> it's just said rod's just sent it through this picture of sylvester mccoy eyebrows raised high yeah long hair yeah sort of a tv movie era i think that is still <laughs> amazing right so uh, we 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 have we then have the funeral, and I did say that whoever the location manager was, they may have been limited, but I was expecting it to be a really creepy church. Yes, it's and it's quite a, a well maintained church. Yeah, it's quite it's a like, shit oh. trad Victorian, <laughs> Victorian church, church. at this part. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But then we do, it, you know, it starts to ramp up. We get the funeral service and amazingly, and this is what I liked about it. They didn't do the whole, Ooh, is there something coming out of the the darkness there? No. Um, Arthur Kidd turns round. And there she is. There yes. is the woman in black. She sort of stayed back in the church. And it's really effective. It's really, I really effective. Like yeah, 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 yeah. I've is. got to say from the outset, I preferred this immensely to the Radcliffe version, which is just the most overcooked. So many jump scares in it. Jump scares. Just, just it jump just scares, goes jump on, scares, and on, on and on and on and on yeah. and on, doesn't it? And every yes. five minutes is another kind of emotional roller coaster of jump scares. Excuse me, I'm burping. Yes. I'll try that again. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. 
Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. All I would say, though, for the bracket version <laughs> is that I felt like I understood what the story was better in that one, whereas even though I knew what the story was in this version, I, I found it quite difficult to sort of like follow what yeah, was that because you were designing a poster and reading a book at the same time? <laughs> sat on the toilet, <laughs> watching it at double speed on one screen with your eyes held open with like... <laughs> the truth will out. <laughs> I don't know what's happening here while he's cooking uh, uh, mince. <laughs> well, we get raw mince. <laughs> right, so following, following the funeral, he's walking out and he's talking to, um, it's not Mr. Tooby this time, is it? It's somebody else. It's, it's another one that's sort of like the town elders. Is it elders. like the land, the land agent or yeah. something like that? Yes, yeah. yes, that's him. And then as, he, and he says, oh, do you, did, did you see that old woman? And uh, and he's like, I didn't see anybody. But he starts well, shitting himself though. Yeah. But yeah, and as Absolutely they're walking out, builds his pants this from. is one of the only bits that I thought they didn't quite do it properly. <laughs> that, they, that as they're walking out, a number mm. of the kids, they have a number of kids, all of whom are like going, ah, and yeah. sort of, Pointing over into the distance. Yes. And Arthur Kidd can says... Can the kids see her? That's the thing. Yeah, no, can, can they see her? And he's mm. like, see who? And yeah. the other guy. And he's refusing to look up in any way, shape or form. Yes. Now, and that's why he says, go away! Yeah. Go away, children! But that's the thing is, I thought it would be much creepier if the kids were just stood there staring at them. Yes. They that's were much too more Wicca isn't it? With the, that's like, right. They were too... <laughs> Noises, dancing around if they had yeah. just been stood there staring at her i think yeah. that would have been a bit more it was a bit too much uh baker street irregulars for me at it was it was so yes the uh the the elder land agent shoes them all away mm. and then you know so you you start to and that's our first clue that if you see the woman in black woe betide you know born mm. mm. have, so, have we been in uh in tr- uh, we haven't met pc ventress from heartbeat yet have we not yet <laughs> because then he he goes back into he goes back into the town. Market day is still on. Yes, and yes, yes, a, yes, a very long scene. We won't go into the logistics of it; because it's too long. Yes. but basically there was a log based disaster. Yes, um, that, <laughs> and that, that num- wasn't me this morning. Uh, <laughs> After the bang bang cauliflower, <laughs> there's there's a truck carrying a load of logs, which you know I think. <laughs> When I think about how this ends, I'm like, oh, that's a bit of a portent in a way. Thinking mm. about it, yes. Mm-hmm. When I was mm. the, and the logs fall from it the back of the pegs, truck, and the guy ropes all fell, fell, in, fell off, it? and the logs fall down and Never hit mind. one of the gypsy children mm-hmm. who w- was selling heather earlier <laughs> and was was looking at the woman in black. Yeah, yes. And Arthur Kid runs to her aid and assistance and basically saves her before further logs yeah. fall yes. off and hit the ground. Big heavy and logs. Yeah, and I just wanted to say that my note was one of the only times I got a bit weirded out in London when I was a, an undergraduate in, in London. I, I thought of myself being quite streetwise. Both my sisters lived in London. And I'd been up there a lot. Yes. But when I was like, in my first year, I was walking through Leicester Square and a, and a woman, she wasn't an old woman. I would have said she was sort of like in her 50s, just came up to me and said, can I, can I sell you this? And even at 18, I was like, oh, what do you mean, sell, sell me what? And she went, <laughs> I have here some very very lucky heather oh. and it'll, it'll bring you really really good fortune and because of the way that she had 
like spoken to me and I was like I, I didn't quite know how to deal with her mm-hmm. I kind of went oh, mm, oh, and she was walking really really closely to me by now you know I hadn't stopped walking but she was like keeping stride with me yeah. and I just thought I just wanted to go away so I just kind of went oh, alright alright and I had like two <laughs> two pound coins in my pocket which in those days student. could buy you a new car too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right that's right I could have got a pint out of that and I just went oh uh, here you are and she went oh wonderful thank you you're a very lucky man which is absolutely not true at all well, uh, <laughs> might be crushed by yeah. logs if you, had it. you don't know that's James. right yeah. and then I, I was know. given so I am someone who has purchased lucky <gasps> gathering money yes. and then afterwards it was one of those things like 10 minutes later I was like what a fucking idiot I was <laughs> what did I do that what did I do that but it was the only time in my life living in London that I felt like I didn't quite know what was going on and I was wrong yes. footed anyway that's that. I told you what I told you wasn't that good so Hi, it's Ross from the General Witchfinders. Did you know that I also do another podcast with my friend David? Hello. Well, I had fans before that. You're not taking this seriously, Ross. David and I do our own supernatural research and investigations in our home county of Dorset. So, if you think that's up your street, why don't you give it a listen? It's Dark Darset, D-A-R-Z-E-T. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. It's not that. <laughs> I've never seen... I don't think I've ever seen an episode of Heartbeat. Ah. Sunday night ICV. Yeah, yeah, yeah just, I don't think I've watched. We've been doing I'm, other things in our teenage yeah. years. I'm probably a heartbeat completist. I've probably seen pretty much all of it and it, all it, of the royal. I would have thought even wow. when Brixie left. And he, oh yeah, I, I continued watching. Yeah, um, it, me and Hell would always watch Heartbeat and the Royal. I mean, the Royal was filmed in Scarborough, so it was a yeah. lot of. Um, look at that! <laughs> it's it's. Uh, you know, where Jimmy Savile lived. Yeah. I've, I've got a weird amount of respect for Nick Berry because he's just like... <laughs> because That's the opening line. <laughs> because he just, he just said, he's he a really big star on TV, you know, huge. Heartbeat was a massive hit. Yes. He had, had every loser wins well, yeah, song. Yeah. Had that been yeah. number one? Yeah, I think you that know, was number was, one, yeah. He had been every you know, loser wins. wins. Right, so uh, he had been like a big, big star, and then inch. he was just like, oh, of course you did, Ross. Yeah, along uh, with the Anthony Dobson version of the EastEnders theme. And his theme, <laughs> yeah. And he won't one can fall in love. <laughs> That's the easy part. You <laughs> must keep it going. That's the only bit that I can remember. So number four, it's Dobson's choice. So, yeah, so at the, at the, not at the peak of his powers, but bearing in mind, you know, most people in showbiz, like, keep it going or what have you. He just said, I've had enough of this. And he's quit, hasn't he? He's never yes. since. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I've got a lot of time called, for people. His last thing was called Harbour Lights, I think. Oh, right. yes! Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just, I, I've Simon May, not Simon Day. Simon May. I've, just, I've got a lot of time for people who just go, oh, I've had enough of that now. That's where, enough. Where is Nick? <laughs> yeah, Bear? rather than... After quitting acting, Nick Berry set up his own TV and film company, Valentine Productions. Ooh, he resigned from his production house in t- 2019. His romance with his girlfriend, Gillian Telfer, caused a stir. Gillian Telfer? Good he, God. As he played his stepbrother, Kathy Bale. Oh, I didn't realise that. Hold on, hold no. on. You, you mean... 
You, you, you mean re- relieving pancreatitis? pancreatitis? <laughs> Jilly, in, in, in a lay-by, Gillian Taylor uh, Apparently so. <laughs> because I was remember, just about everybody. to play the EastEnders theme tune, but my phone oh. has shut down. Uh, well, uh, we should point out for our, our foreign uh, listeners, both of you, hello, um, that Gillian Telforth was also in EastEnders, which the aforementioned Nick Berry was in, and she was involved in a minor scandal in the fact that she was caught basically giving oral sex Pleasuring. to her partner. In a lay-by. Yeah, in a um, Land Rover Discovery. Of, <laughs> there's the detail that people come to this podcast for. <laughs> and she, her excuse was that when they, she was caught, that he was someone who suffered from pancreatitis. I can never say it. Pancreatitis? Yeah. So yes. problem, an issue of the, pan- the pancreas. And she was uh, yeah. leaving his pancreas. Oh, yeah. I just put a, put a picture of, it said she would not um, recognise Nick Berry now. I put a picture on our right. WhatsApp. He looks yeah. a bit like you, John, with short hair. <laughs> I can't look because my phone's shut. Oh out. no! What's he up? No, he doesn't. Days? Well, he's he's got the same kind of. Hold it up, James. Let's, uh, let's have a look. What? He's got, he's got grey hair. The scarf. He's got the scarf. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't worn that scarf for about fifteen years. Oh. Well, that's, that's <laughs> and glasses, but that's it. Yeah, he looks cool. I think. Yeah, yeah, hats off to him. He gets taken out there by PC Ventress from TV's Heartbeat, not in a Ford Anglia with a police thing on the top, but on a horse and cart. And then there's lots of nice dialogue about um, sea frets coming in, and the mm. name of the um, causeway is Nine Lives Causeway, and blah blah, mm. blah 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 blah. And then he goes into the house and he does a bit of exploration of the house. But there's a rather nice setup of a fake graveyard. Which is very, very like Michael Horden's fake graveyard. Yes, I'll yeah. come to. Yeah, with, with, a, with the iconic sort of ruined archway. Which yes, is, yeah, which is Casp- which is from the Casper David Friedrich uh, painting, which is also referenced in Doctor Who's Warrior's Gate, which Ooh. is one of um, Tom Baker's season eighteen finales, um, etc. Right. So the, for, the pur- for the purposes of story and explication, we should point out as well that that where he's gone to is called Eel Marsh House, <laughs> and we're, we're told that it's, so, so it's been bu- kind of uh, built out in this uh, bit of land which is inaccessible about, because you know the tide comes in and cuts it off. Mm, yeah, uh, and also I, as John says, as he's on the way there, we're told that you can die that if you get caught out there. If you, you go off the path, in. you get the tide lost. Will come in. Yeah. You can be sucked into the quicksand, you know, the, 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 the sands, whatever it may be. It's highly dangerous, so you can only travel that path. Again, you know, you've got to be a real recluse, haven't you? So, I want to say right now, where do I want my big mansion to be? <laughs> I want it to be so you can only get to it for one hour a day. Or yes. I hate people. I, it's the kind of place where Roger Daltrey would live, basically. Yes, that's <laughs> <laughs> where he had his trout farm. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so do we see we see her at this point don't we and she pops we up too so he walks out kind of out of this graveyard and there's a very clever way where he does it in real time and walks and she must have stood up somehow on cue from the director and because as he walks out of frame she is kind of revealed behind him which is really mm. really really effective and yes. it's very well done all the effects in this are basically practical effects. There's no yeah. CGI or anything like that. And they always work all the better for that because it's yes. just much more creepy. Yeah. Um, well, I was thinking that I saw the new indie film recently mm-hmm. and, and um, 
Oh, right, yes. So, I'm running up to it. But when you, I, when that's you what we were talking about film. before you came. Before yes, you right. Up. When you said indie, I thought you meant independent. No, Indiana Jones films. I'm, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. And yeah, I've been yeah. watching all of the uh, old films running up to this with my kids to get them excited about watching Yes. Um, and, yeah, I'm not going to go into my full review, but, yeah, some brilliant stuff in it. But I was thinking that the old ones work so well because the stunts are real. Are, yeah. are real. And like, yeah. when, when you're watching the... Like, Watching a lot of the, a lot of it, I know there were some stuff, but a lot of it you're watching. Kept, well, it's not happening. So yeah, uh, yeah, I'm yeah, not, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, not yeah. really that. Uh, as soon yeah, as I is... saw the trailer for it, I was just like, oh, the bit where he's jumping from a tram to a tram or something. Mm. I thought he's eighty years old. He's not. He hasn't done that really. They've got him on a harness in green screen, or, or, or just... if he's even there at all. Yeah, exactly. But the, what, um, what... when I went to see, um, I had to go and watch the new Little Mermaid with my daughter, Hatch. and I and I fell asleep. <laughs> I fell asleep twice in it. But I was saying that if I saw that as a kid, you'd be just thinking, "How is she swimming around like that?" How you know, like, it, it just it looks really good, but because you no. know none of it's real, uh, that, that mm, yeah. put, you're just like, "I don't care," you know. Yeah, there's, there's I, no wonder. There's no wonder in it. Is yeah. the lack of verisimilitude? You can just yeah, tell yeah, that yeah, it doesn't yeah. feel real when you're yeah. in, when you look at certain. Yeah, it's like okay, in a Bond yes. film. Someone like right, there's a bit in when you're in James film. He jumps out of a a a, a, a plane. Yeah. With a, uh, a um, parachute on, holding on to someone. Mm. If you saw that in a Bond film with Ro- Roger Moore, you knew that was real. You yeah, know, yeah, well, yeah, was yeah. obviously not Roger Roger Moore, but uh, well, the close-up when... would be Roger Moore with his wig <laughs> flapping around, <laughs> right. and then the wider shot would be a guy who looked nothing like Roger Moore, but with the same slacks on. And when he'd land with his parachute, he'd walk yeah. past a man who would be sat in a cafe <laughs> drinking some alcohol and he'd go, good afternoon. <laughs> and then the man would do a double take and look at the bottle he was drinking <laughs> and, and throw look back. it over his shoulder. <laughs> they were very pleased with that joke, weren't they? <laughs> I watched a bit of Spy Who Loved Me today and it's so excellent. The bits, um, Jaws. Like the bits with yep. Jaws are played totally as a horror film. Yeah. Because he, he bites through people's necks. Yep. My, yeah. My and kids were sh- really scared of him in Moonraker. Oh, God, yeah. I had yeah. to turn it off. Yeah, the bit in Moonraker where he comes along in the Mardi Gras and he, and that woman is in that kind of weird, like, derelict building. It's terrifying. Mm. I mean, it's amazing. Um, so where are we? We've got to... Okay. Uh, we're, we're, uh, so they're also at the so house... So he sees her they, and then they, he goes in... They set up that there's, there's uh, an electric generator in there. Which yes. You have to get going in order to get the, get the electric get lights. lights. So that's another yeah. good... Um, Nigel Neal kind of um, yeah it's like the imposition of, of technology onto tradition again isn't it so mm. it's like it's an old house but it's got electric light um, and then when you see him go into the house he puts all the lights on in a very mm. overt way yes and Arthur Kidd then finds as we were talking about earlier uh, the very Nigel Neal touch he finds that they had a uh, an early tape kind of Wax recorder, wax cylinder recorder. Yeah. Um, he records himself, and I was so expecting the voice of the ghost. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I was, so, and then when they didn't do it, I was like, oh, yeah. But, there was, was so, but again, that's very Dracula because um, Doctor Stewart yeah. has like wax yes. cylinders for his similar yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. it's yes. um, Thomas and, Edison, I think, designed. Them. But there was a really when I went to see that um, one man show Dracula thing. Yes, um, the, the the best bit in it was when he uh, so the the whole the whole setup was that. Um, this guy's researching Bram Stoker and they realised that it, all of those uh, diary entries and stuff were actually real. And then they found uh, a wax cylinder with Dracula's uh, actual voice on it. And, and they, play, they play that in the theatre. The and that was the creepiest bit. And they said, if mm. this is real, 
that person's voice was alive at the time of Attila the Hun, and all this. Oh, going, and it, it was just yeah, it's great. So, um, so we then get the kind of what I think a lot of people would consider to be the classic woman in black, you know, because people that are familiar with the stage play and things such as that, in that we get kind of haunted house elements going on. I mean, mm. first of all, he hears at night sort of like the sound of horses in distress, um, a yeah. child screaming, um, and, uh, you know, he, he can't see anything and he thinks yes. there's people there. There's not, uh, as John was saying, so, and this the very Nigel the- Neal trope again, the recurring yeah. kind of the recorded recording of, yeah. of a disaster, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. And the, he then kind of, after spending a very kind of disturbed night in uh, the uh, Ilmarsh house, he makes his way back. And then while he's there, he then kind of gets a dog. Mm-hmm. Does he? Mm, spider. And again, we get more information from people that, that live locally about, oh, you know, what, what was the deal with the Ilmarsh yeah. house? And what, but, what's but he, he goes to meet the, um, the kind of sort of the squire chap. And they kind of implied that they never had children, but the, I think the truth is that they had children and they died. They died. Yes, yeah, well, yeah. because the, because the the one gravestone yes. is is their family yes. name. Isn't yeah, it? and the the cur- then you start to realise the curse is that whenever yes. someone sees the woman in black, children die. Die. Mm. Yes. At this point, I started to question if there's a graveyard on the island. Why is the woman that died being buried in the very prim mm. Victorian graveyard? Yeah, that yeah. didn't. That didn't make sense to me. Yeah, yeah. may have left made it a request in the will. Yeah, anyway, well, it should have been elaborated on, shouldn't it? Because it's just it's kind of like you spend time visiting both graveyards, and it's like if she if she lived on that island and and made a big thing about staying there alone, Mm. surely she would have been interred there. Possible. My my other surely thing is that at one point because he he mentions uh arthur kid says to people oh you know i saw her i saw the woman in black and then i i sort of ran away and i put wouldn't you go as we saw you know when, when we did the uh the dickens one hello <laughs> yeah. at least because she's so physically there yes wouldn't you address and then Someone said, oh, did, did her powers freak you out? You know, did she do something? And he's like, no, no, absolutely not. No, yeah. I wasn't scared. I'm not afraid. So, <laughs> then why don't you talk to her? And then later on, when we get to the big jump scare, he does start talking. I found that like quite an odd choice. Yes. And that was the only thing that for me sort of took me out of it a little. I thought, surely you'd go, hey. And even if they don't say anything back, <laughs> just the notion of, hey, 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 all right. <laughs> oh, you know, so, <laughs> I, I'm I'm no Nigel Neal, obviously. <laughs> so yes, he then says uh, Arthur Kidd then says, "Look, I've not finished going through the papers yet." And he also kind of senses that there's a mystery at work here. And having seen the woman in black, he says he's going to go back, and he continues going through the files, doesn't he? Uh, again, more psychological things start happening to him. He hears the screams again, you know, the, what have you? And he hears a um, child's voice. And there's one the ch- room which he couldn't, mm, yes. he couldn't, he didn't have a key for last key for last yes. year. And then the bouncing football. Uh, yeah, and the ball, yeah, it goes in there and there's a, the, there's a child, the sound of a child playing and then a yes. ball comes bouncing out. And it? I think all these bits, because they're so paired back, are much more effective than in the Daniel Radcliffe version. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm. in the Daniel Radcliffe version, at this point, you've had like a hanging, you've had all, it, it, there's oh, so gosh, much, yeah. it's like this. You would leave, yeah, you would, you would leave. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like you wouldn't keep going back in there, would mm. you? Like, oh, I think I might you know, might just um, put my mind at rest. You know, I'll go in one last time after you've seen her hanging from the bloody playroom. 
Um, and and it, it, similarly with the um, uh, Kieran Hines character in the Daniel Radcliffe version, like him and his wife, that is much more overblown, isn't it? Because the, the mm. wife is portrayed as being totally loopy. And mm. this this version is a lot more low-key. It's much yes. less melodramatic. And I think it's more effective for that. I, I mean, I'm sure lots of other people prefer the Daniel Radcliffe version because I think the Daniel Radcliffe version is more scary, mm. but it's just jump scares, isn't yeah. it? Whereas yeah. this mm. one... It's more of a ghost tree, that one. Yeah, this one is much more it's just a feeling of dread. Mm. By, by the time you get to the end, you really get the feeling that this guy is losing his marbles. Yeah. Um, so there's a cool bit where um, he hit, you hear the ghost of the child and then he's got like this um, metal soldier just in his hand yes. as if like the child has put it into his hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that becomes and that's, a recurring theme yeah. of... And that's uh, when all the lights gonna, go out. Yeah, that's when she's going to appear then, isn't it? I also thought with the, the, the significance of the fact that it is a metal soldier and the time it was written, I did think either... My general feeling was, oh, I think they definitely could have made it that he was a veteran of the First World mm, War. He probably mm. would have played up the whole yeah. traumatized by yes. experiences of war. And if we, if you were doing it today, maybe the whole is he really seeing this or is he just mm. going a bit bonkers? I think that's that, a very good idea. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you. But yeah, that was just and the whole the, like, the significance of the soldier. I thought, oh wait, the, the time they're in, they could have really lent on that. But yeah. yes, that, that's that's by the way. But that's when. Um, um, so all the lights go out, so he has to rush out to get the generator going again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's when the ghost whistles for the dog and the dog is lured oh. off onto the onto the marsh. Yes. Uh, and and then the wind starts coming and he can't keep the door shut on the on the house and stuff. Which is yeah. very similar to the story, the written story of Oh Whistle and I'll Come to You. Mm-hmm. When he mm-hmm. first blows the whistle, um it it blows in and it and it opens his window and stuff. Yeah. But that's what so the that's... Cha- that, in the book, that is what that chapter's called. Yes. And so that's, and I didn't know that. So that's, I'm glad I noticed that. Um, round about now, there's a scene where he's talking to Bernard Hepton and um, you can see the boom shadow on the um, top of the lampshade, which I thought was quite funny. Um, but there's a bit where he's listening to the audio diary of the lady living in the house. Um, and I think that part is is very much like um, the diary in the stalls of Barchester Cathedral, which is M.R. James, where... Um, the guy keeps writing, I must be firm, I must be firm, Ooh. into his diary page to the point that he breaks the nib of his pen. And it's, it seems very similar with what she's saying, that she's not going to be scared by her own kin, I think she says. Mm. Or yeah, something it's like her that. sister, isn't it? Because it turns out it's her sister who's had a bastard child. Yeah. Mm. Um, and who, the, who they take on um, yes. as their own. But then, so I've, we should probably, I don't know if it's just at the point where you find out the plot, but maybe. We Is should. this a spoiler? Uh, yeah, well, yeah so something that's 40 years old yeah. so essentially um what's happened is um one of these two sisters as james uh, as john said had a child out of wedlock in order to cover up the um the scandal, scandal. Of misdemeanor yeah the uh the married sister takes that child on as, as her own mm-hmm. and then the uh then this sort of drives the uh the mother the real mother a little bit loopy and then she tries to uh, kidnap the child and escape, but then they get um. Uh, there's a they they come off the road and they end up dying in the marsh. Mm, and yes. then and then that sort of vengeful ghost then just starts haunting at, at the town and killing mm, yes. killing other children. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. There you go. So yes, 
That, that, that's the long and the short of it. So, and again, here ends like my notes. <laughs> yes, because and the idea of the, the you know the the fake out, I suppose, is that you think that the woman who you're seeing buried and the woman who's there who's there to take care of her notes, she's the woman in black. No, she's not the woman in black. It's her sister. Yes. who's the woman in black. So the, you know. So. so this is the point where this is. I would say this is probably the, the first thing that's actually scared me. Watching mm-hmm. out of all the things we've watched on um, uh, Gemma Witchfinders, this, really? this is the bit we. I, I got creeped out by watching um, Ghost Watch again. But all this, right, but this brilliant. Is, this is the bit which actually scared me. Oh no way! Yeah, so it, um, he's going through all of the um, the paperwork and everything back at the um, his sort of digs, and then yeah. he can't sleep, and then he, he wakes up, he finds the little metal soldier underneath his pillow. Yes, yes. and then suddenly she's fucking there. Right? No, no, his- no, 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 no. First of all, Ross. As, like I said, he he we hear the child's voice and he starts to talk to the child. Uh, you know, he basically says, "Like, you know, can you hear me? Can you, uh, you know, can you?" Because he thinks it's the ghost of the child, which is about to come yes. there, basically. Yeah. And he's like, "Who are you? Where are you?" And the, the child says, "This is for you. This is for oh, you." Oh, I don't remember this part. This yeah. bit. <laughs> and then he's like, "Oh!" And then when he looks up, bang! There she oh, is. Oh, that's yeah. yeah. And that's that's the major that. scare yeah. bit, isn't it? I, and it's I, I'm watching it on YouTube now, and, yeah. it, and it shit me up. Then watching it, it's it, really, really effective. It's very mm. well done, and I don't know how it's done because it's like. She kind of glides in above, doesn't she? So she must have been on some kind of dolly. She's doing that. <laughs> Screaming. And, and, and it's one of those things where it's, it stays there longer than it needs to be. Yes. That makes it scarier still. Because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's screaming and screaming in bed and mm. it goes on for like quite a long time. Yeah, it's excellent. So Andy Nyman said that they were, when they were doing this, the uh, play of Ghost Stories, which James and I were lucky enough to go and see. Yes. He said there was a scare, a jump scare in there, which it, he said it wasn't working. Mm, and yeah. So he, he, went back and watched this because he he knew this is like one of the most effective jump scares ever yes and he said the fact that after the it cut to black yeah the, yeah. Sc- the screaming carried on after that point and that mm. and it, then, it, then when they they did that in the in the play yeah and they said that's what made it work so when oh that's the, good when it cut yeah. to black the screaming carried on and he said after yeah. that point it was um it, it was the, the effect that he wanted but yes. it's, it's cool that he went back to the, the thing which he was uh, yeah, 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 initially yeah. in. Uh, and the original probably went to an advert for Finder's Crispy Pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so yeah, so poor old Arthur Kidd then, that that really kind of lays him out. And we yes. see that he's in sort of like a, a sort of a, a coma in a state. Yes, for a, a period of time, he's stuck, you know, we're told that he has a fever. Um, and then it, the fever bang, breaks bang, cauliflower, and yeah. bang, 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 cauliflower. And then he starts to, he comes around and we find that his wife has, has come to basically collect him and, uh, basically rescue him and bring him back to London. Um, which is, which mm. is then what happens. And they kind of, uh, bid everyone adieu in. I, I have, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, Crippling Gifford, isn't it? That's the name <laughs> I have found it. <laughs> Crittling Giffords. Yes, I have written it down. So they kind of bid adieu to the people of Crittling Giffords. And the, the one couple as they wave them off are like, oh, it's so, they're so young. And you know, I hope they're it's so kind of aware. Yes. Yes. Aware of the, that the tragedy is following them. And well, there's still the 20 thing. minutes to go, isn't there? That's uh, you, the, so you know uh, something giveaway. <laughs> and this is, this is, this is, you know, one of the interesting things is that it is a ghost story where the ghost is not just located in one place. No. The ghost follows you. Yeah, and you know, so it's night. It, that was interesting to see. You know, things such as it follows and the ring and things. You know, things that have yeah, followed yeah, since. Yeah, yeah. This was many, many ways the or, the the original 
No, no. Just because you've gone away, the ghost is still with you. So Vengeful yes, um, mi- mi- Mr. Kid sort of pulls himself together enough, goes back into the office and says, like, you know, there's nothing left. And we're told that the house has burnt down. Yes. And, and it's, it's implied that Marsh the guy, no Bernard Tapton, yeah, Bernard Tapton implies yeah. that he has burnt it down. Yeah. It down. Yes. Yeah, they were still on, um, the, on the commentary saying, obviously they couldn't afford to show that. So they had, sure. that all had to um, happen yeah. off screen. Which I think... It, it's fine because it's effective storytelling mm-hmm. to just be like his implication is is more interesting than seeing some um, gas burners squirting out of a window. They could have just yeah. done a bit of stock footage of a hammer film, couldn't they? <laughs> yeah. we, we often a saw. beam falling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then all we're left with then is uh, Mr. Kid is told, okay, well, you know, all we've got then, you know, if there's, if there's no money, there's, you know, that, you can't sell the house for anything. It's gone. It's been destroyed. So they just say to him, well, all that's left are these papers mm-hmm. for you to go through. And as he goes through them, he sees a picture of the, the woman in black when she was still alive. Mm. And he, he and really he thinks, starts freaking out. Actually, she's pretty good looking. <laughs> 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 and then so we have this kind of mad scene where he just decides, okay, well, I'm going to burn the lot. Yeah. yeah, and he kind of pours kerosene on all the papers and and in, his in his office on the floor. In his he office, doesn't even try and get it into the fireplace. Does he? But he, he, he yeah. also confronts his boss by saying, "You knew what you said." But yes, yeah, 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 yeah. You, yeah, yeah. They, you knew it was something. You've weird. been there before. You should, yeah, and you were yeah, yeah, shit your pants. Yeah, and then he tried to strangle him. Yes. Yes, yeah. and then it right, just in office pyromania. Yeah, that's what, you know, kind of, he does. And I did think at the time, like Jesus, you know, it's an office full of paper. Yeah. Not yes. just his office. It's like this place would go up like that. Yeah, you know. But somehow they do manage to contain it just to his office. Don't we? Yes. You then see like a 1920s fireman kind of going, "Yep, I thought so." Kerosene, <laughs> and then he goes and sort of takes umbrage with the kid and goes, "Well, what were you doing, you bloody maniac? Yeah. Are you mad?" That's yeah. Andy Nine said that it was great because said they uh they were filming that and then they all went off to lunch and when they came back they they redressed the set as if it'd been burnt and he said it was just amazing to see that conf- that transformation just over their lunch break that they managed. No to way. Get. Yeah. Showbiz and yeah, so he is then told by his boss, right? You, you know, he doesn't say you're fired, which is quite remarkable, really. You know, yeah, you yes. about what you can get fired for. Yeah. Uh, I did try and set fire to the office and attack you. Yeah. <laughs> he just says, "Go home and stay at home," yeah. doesn't he? Um, so he then takes himself home and then uh, you know, kind of wants to then spend more time with his family. And we now have this sequence of them going to a park together. Mm-hmm. And then, from what I'd read from my my kind of advanced reading, I was expecting it to be a a horse, an mm. out-of-control horse well, that's, that's going to trample. That's in, that's in the book. That's in the book, oh, yeah. yes. Right. But no, they get on board a small rowing boat mm. and they're kind of carousing around. Pleasure, the, uh, pleasure cruising. Pleasure, ple- yeah. Yeah, pleasure boating out <laughs> in the middle of this lake, which is a very kind of autumnal lake, isn't it? It's very, mm. It looks very cold. and yeah, very, It looks horrible. And then he looks up and, oh my God, there she is. Pulling it off, a bit of a Jesus. She's yes. walking on water. Walking on water. She's just, just on the water. And very at effective again. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. A shot again. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then and a tree falls on them. He's so transfixed by the, the, the woman in black and the woman in black staring at him that the, the next moment you hear his wife go, ah! And the <laughs> boat crashes into a tree. So again, call back to the logs earlier. Yes. And the tree kind of cracks and splits and falls on them. And we never see them drowned. But the final shot is of this tree submerged in the water and mm. nothing else besides. We don't see them surfaced. Either, no. so, so, yeah, so, so roll credits. Dead. 
So how did Dan Radcliffe die? Was he run over by a train? He's run over by a train, by a train. hugging the ghost of his wife or something like that. It's, it's yeah. the end of the Daniel Radcliffe She's on the train. quite convoluted. Yeah, it's really yeah. weird. It's and that, and good. doesn't the ghost of the um, the other woman come and fight the other ghost? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She, I don't remember that. She, I think she comes and finds her child at the end as well. Right, so that was so, yeah. The Women in Black. What do we think of that, guys? I thought it was very effective. I thought it was better than the Radcliffe one in lots of ways. Mm. The, the standout scene for me in the Radcliffe one is where they use the Rolls um, Royce to pull the cart out of the bog. Mm. Mm-hmm. And Daniel Radcliffe goes into the bog. and um, Because that, for me, would be really... Uh, there's no way I'd, I could go into a bog and pull out a cart. So I found that a very effective scene, and I thought that was really well shot as well. So it doesn't have any of those parts, but I think it has its own dynamic anyway, which is, you know, it's an hour and 40, and and it's not boring at all. I think the main guy is a bit forgettable, really, Mm. but I think otherwise... Everyone else is excellent in it, and it's it's really good. I think the first, um, the first time I watched it, um, I was comparing it too much to the 2012 version. Oh, it's it's totally different. And it, in every and way, it, was, just, it? it was almost like too slow for me. But watching yeah. it, that I watched that about a month ago. I watched it again recently, and mm. going in with different expectations, I really enjoyed it. So I, mm. I, I give it a three and a half what, what, out of five. I'd probably be about the same. I don't think it's a classic Nigel Neal because it's not Nigel Neal. Mm. Um, but I think it's a good adaptation of something else. And I think that he adds some good Nigel Neal tropes to it. Um, and I think it's interesting in itself if you view it in a prism which is more to do with the ghost stories for Christmas mm, and yes. a world which is... Uh, a warning to the curious with um, Peter Vaughan and, and Horde and Kangaroos Australia. Because <laughs> um, uh, that, that is very comforting. And, um, you know, I watch them every three months. So it's it kind of fits more in with them than it does with the uh, Radcliffe version, mm. which is kind of just a modern horror film, isn't yeah. it, really? It's just like, yeah. hits you over the head with jumps for... Yeah. An hour and a half, and then it finishes. James, what, what did you think? <laughs> I, I much. It's a rare time where we're in agreement. For me, it was. I, I enjoyed it. I said, so, as John says, like if you think of it as one of the ghost stories for Christmas, very effective, like that. Interesting choices. Um, I said some nicely spooky moments as well. So a solid mm. three out of five oh, for cool. me. It's it's but, it's really spooky, and there's some good mm. scares in it. Has, any, has, woman. That, has anyone seen the play? No, no. Is it still I know on? People who have. Because the, whole, like the scary, the scary thing is, is that she walks through the crowd. Mm. Oh. That's or that's the thing that they did, or that was the big secret <laughs> in inverted commas that they would never tell people that, uh. that you know it'd be very dark and that she would like walk through the the central aisle, mm. and you know so you could see her really close up, mm. and, and and people were quite spooked by it. But in lieu of something horrific, when we said we were going to do this, I thought, mm. I'm sure I remember reading an article about this a little while back. And lo and behold, yeah, you know, I did. And uh, it was an article on The Guardian written by Andrew Mayle, um, who's a very prolific uh, sort of culture writer for The Guardian. And it says, The Woman in Black, why did Britain's scariest horror film disappear? Right. So uh, check this out. Now, it starts off with a quote from Kim Newman. Of course, it starts <laughs> off with a quote from Kim Newman. TV's Kim Newman. It's Tim Newman. So, so we'll skip that bit and we'll, we'll just cut straight to the meat of it. 
And it says this. Few horror films have acquired the cult reputation of Herbert Weiss's TV production of The Woman in Black, adapted by visionary British sci-fi screenwriter Nigel Neal, of course, visionary. from Susan Hill's 1983 novella. It stars a 31-year-old at the time, Adrian Rawlins, as Edwardian solicitor Arthur Kidd, sent to settle the estate of an eccentric widow, Mrs. Drablow, on the northeast coast of England, apparently. There, mm. in a remote house at the end of a shingle causeway, he is tormented by terrifying noises and cries and appearances <laughs> from a tall woman dressed in black. Pauline Moran, who comes to exert a malevolent hold over his life. First broadcast on ITV at 9pm on Christmas Eve 1989, it haunted all who watched it, thanks in part to Wise's tense economical direction and one of the greatest jump scares in the history of horror. It created a genuine physical reaction, wrote Nancy Banks-Smith in The Guardian, as if one layer of your skin had shifted over another. <laughs> the film was a hit with critics and audiences alike, and, what, and yet while Hill's book went on to sell millions and become a set GCSE text, and Stephen uh, Molotrat's stage adaptation began a West End run in 1989 that was halted by, by COVID-19, <laughs> Wise's film slid into relative obscurity. After briefly servicing on, get this, W.H. Smith's own brand VHS label oh my God. in 1991 and then screened on Channel 4 in 1994, it disappeared. Partly owing to its scarcity, a mystique grew around it with copies passed from hand to hand on dubbed VHSs and hooky DVDs. In later years, it's made fleeting illegal appearances on YouTube, accompanied by comments speculating darkly on the reasons for its disappearance. The League of Gentlemen creators of vocal fans, Reith Shearsmith, has called it the most terrifying program I've ever seen, whilst Oscar-winning director Guillermo del Toro, no less, cites it in his list of favourite supernatural films. No so way. what are the reasons for its enduring power? Why did it disappear? And why, after all this time, is it coming back? Andy Nyman, co-creator, of course, and Jeremy Dyson, ghost stories, etc., etc., has particular interest in the films that gave him his first ever acting role, age 23, as a young office clerk. <laughs> It will always remain special, he says. A huge inspiration to me and Jeremy when we were writing Ghost Stories was the way that Herbie Wise creates this drab, ordinary sense of despair with long, elegant single shots. But another important detail is Rawlins' performance as Arthur Kidd. He has boyish likability, a good man who does nothing wrong. It's inexplicable anything bad should happen to him. But it yeah, does. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see what they're saying there. Rawlins agrees. You grow to like my character, says the 62-year-old star of Chernobyl now and the Harry Potter films. When the bad things happen, there's a part of you thinking, you can't do that. There's a famous point in the film, and even though I was in it, I'm watching it going, oh my God, no, no, that's not right. I'm assuming the jump scare there. Yeah. Much of the film's power lies in Moran's portrayal of the woman in black herself, particularly the wordless, withering glares of the hatred she directs at Rawlins' characters. I was cast on my ability to convey malevolence with no warmth at all, says Moran, and now a sprightly 70 too. Oh in those days, I was God. quite pre-Raphaelite and ethereal. There's a sadness in there, a pure hate for what's being done to her. I try to convey what's happening in her mind. She's very the pretty, that's the thing. It's quite mm. weird, isn't it? She by doesn't look like a kind of haggard witch or True. I say, and by the conventions of the modern horror film, the woman in black is seen rarely, and with one big exception, from a distance. I deliberately didn't show her close up, the late mm. wise told, told journalist Toby Earnshaw in 2015, because then the audience can construct a face which is horrible to you, your personal horror. After the film came out, Susan Hill sort of di dismissed it, says Moran. I suppose she felt uh, because it became Nigel Neal's version, but Nigel knows what he's doing. He wrote Quatermass. And the stone tape, of course. <laughs> right. So, and then it, it goes on. And basically, in short, what it says is that um, it says that 
Uh, speaking in 2015, Chris Burt, the producer of the 1989 film, says it was really bizarre. The rights were owned by three film technicians, what? a makeup artist, a costume designer, and an assistant director. They couldn't get the project off the ground, so I offered to come in with them. I never understood why it never received a, d- a DVD release, but there was allegedly trouble between those three technicians oh, and right. Central. Hmm. Well, yes, that's probably the issue, because Central folded in mm. the and 90s then, or something, and, and a lot of the ITV regional stuff was very messy, because companies bought companies, and then they disappeared, and they disappeared. Yeah, it's out on network True. now, but network's just gone bust, hasn't network it? Network have yeah. gone, yeah. <laughs> so you probably can't get it anymore. No. And, so, and then finally, uh, the last paragraph says, one thing worth pointing out, says Kim Newman, of course, is that the woman in black is one of the few English ghosts who is not tied to her location. Hmm. Also hmm. in his adaptation, Neil omits all her motivation. In that sense, she prefigures those characters from Japanese horror films like Ring. She's hmm. a malevolent, non-specific spirit. Even Hill has finally come round to the adaptation. It is very frightening, she says. Even ever since its first transmission, I've been asked if it will ever be shown again. Now it is. And if anyone complains that it has changed the book, my answer is always the same. Of course it hasn't. The book is still there for everyone to read mm. and quite mm. unchanged. And my bank account is even more, even more flush than it was before. Yeah. So Mark Gatiss said that um, he got to go to meet uh, Nigel Neal uh, because mm. yes. they, they were looking to do... Um, uh, to do a version of The Road for BBC Four. Oh, yes. Uh, and he, he said that he just took the opportunity to ask him all the questions he possibly could about everything. And yeah. Um, and he was like saying about um, why did he do sort of just go on to do adaptations at, towards the end um, mm. rather than writing mm. his own stuff. And it, it was kind of implied that no one was interested in it. And then uh, Mark Gatiss was basically talking to BBC Four and said, look, well, we asked him to do like... Um, the road, but you know, why don't mm. we just ask them to write something new? And apparently, yeah. someone high up at the BBC said we don't um, we don't uh, work with anyone who predate the remote control. So it was just basically. But but then apparently, just before he left, he said, oh, "I did write another Quasimash, you know." <laughs> and, uh, and, goes, really? <laughs> and, and he said, "It's um, Quas- it, it was the the Quasimash in the Second World War, the sort of the yeah. precursor which yes. we talked about previously." Yeah, and yeah, apparently, yeah. there were Valkyrie monsters in it. Um, but the, but then was ever seen the document, so they don't know if he said he wrote it. But um, he told Kim Newman the, the same thing apparently. Yeah. But but it was a case of like, no one's actually found the script, but apparently he said he wrote it. So mm, amazing. Yeah. Right, yeah. Cool. So that, that was that then. Jolly so, good. Oh, that's a good one to come back to. We're I back. think so. Yeah. Very very um, wholesome. So next time, yeah, on the on whichever which we're going to be watching, and we just we did mention Sherlock Holmes right at the beginning of this. We're going to be watching Murder by Decree. Ooh. Are we? Yeah. What is that? It's I a, don't even know what it is. It's yeah. uh, it's Sherlock Holmes versus Jack the Ripper with um, <laughs> who was who was Gail von, von Trapp? Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer is Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So, so who directed okay. this, Cleves? I have heard of it. I think now actually. It's not Billy Wilder, is it? Yeah, well, look, kind of gives away. It's 1979 oh. with Christopher Plummer as Holmes and James Mason as uh, Watson. Yeah, wow. it's not Billy Wilder. Then. And it was directed version. by Bob Clark, who also, uh, Bob Clark was born in 1959, uh, was directed and writer known for A Christmas Story, Baby Geniuses yeah. and Porkies. <laughs> 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 
Yes! <laughs> this is going to be the one. <laughs> Porky's one of those films I've never seen all the way through. No, I, it's just I, always the, on at like ITV at weird times. There's one, I seemed like a bit of, I got a memory of someone looking through a hole at some women oh, being yes, changed. That's, uh, yes, yeah, that was you yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a memory of myself looking through a hole. I mean, um. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we're going to watch that. Okay. Brilliant. Is that a horror film? It, 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 I, I put a is it British? It's British, oh, I think. It's another one that our, our beloved listener no, I put a thing is, I was, is forcing us to listen to. I put a thing I was saying, is there a uh, Sherlock Holmes horror film? And we had a couple, and this is the, one of the ones which people were saying. Was, it was this made in Britain, Cleves? I saw it. Me and John desperately trying to find ways out of this one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if the guy directed Porky's, that doesn't sound very yeah. British. Uh, film location, Oakley Court, Windsor Road, Oakley Green, Berkshire, uh, wow. Countries Origin, United Kingdom and Canada. Yeah, so it's a British-Canadian nice. co-production. It's a co-production. Yeah, are, with the Canadian okay. Film Development Corporation. Well, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, and it's got, who else has it got in it? Christopher Plummer, James Mason, David Hemmings, Susan Clark, <laughs> Anthony Quayle, John Gilgood, Frank Finley, Donald Sutherland. Wow. God. Yeah. They'd all turn up for any old how, crap, wouldn't how they? Did, how did Big Chris Lee not get in on yeah. this one? <laughs> uh, £10,000 £10, in a brown envelope. June Brown's in it. <laughs> okay. Oh, just just a very one last quick one. I, I'm regretting it already, and I think I might have to go buy, buy it back and buy it in the week. Um, I was looking at a charity shop yesterday, and they had Edward Woodward's album. I've got it. Oh, I've got it. I've got it. Oh, I've got it here. He's got it. Look at that. You know, you know. I stopped and thought, oh, should I get this? Yeah. <laughs> it was like three quid. Yeah, I, I thought, no, come on. And then, of course, as always, the way with things in charity shops, you immediately go afterwards. Oh, I should have got it. No, I should have got it. <laughs> I own it. I own it. You can borrow it. Is it just the one with the picture of his head in the middle, Ross? I'll go and get it once. The Edward Woodward album. Here we go. The Ed- is it called the Edward Woodward Wood- album? Woodward album. <laughs> Does he sing a picture from the Wicker Man? You hope so, don't you? <laughs> or it just does the theme from the Equalizer. Awa Woodward. Yeah. If I angle that. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. The light. The light's not good. It's headshot. Yeah. Just says the Edward That's, Woodward I mean, album. <laughs> I can't I can't imagine a huge call for that. I mean neither, but you know. <laughs> that and a lot of James Last albums. <laughs> <laughs> so many people made albums in the past, didn't they? That were just it's, like it's just, just tenuous people that I, pulled into I, I wonder how much of it was was due to the because of the success of uh, Richard Harris's album, A Tramp Shining. Yes. <laughs> and what a title! Well, I need MacArthur Park. Yeah, well, that, that was a number one, I think. It was because <laughs> um, I nearly bought one recently. That was the guy from It Ain't Our Hot Mum that had a series oh, of Don- albums. But this Donna one was Stel. signed. Donna Stell. <laughs> this was a signed Donna Stell. But I think it was a tenor, and I was like, "Oh, I don't know this is come on!" <laughs> yeah. There's a Which, point where it's like the ironic comedy. It's like, yes. it's like a tenor of ironic and comedy, a tenor. Oh, can't, yeah. can't find it. Ah. But I, 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 well, I, I will get it for the next time. I might might go and buy it in the week. No, no, it didn't have a snaffled up. It was like a black sort of like leather thing, just with, with Edward Woodward on it, and then inside it had pictures of him different like character sort of like. like this is different hats than what I saw. Yeah. But anyway, right. <laughs> <laughs> I brought that to field. That's a good album title. Yeah, the different, different hats of John Pelton. <laughs> 
Okay. Well, lovely we speaking are. to you guys. Um, well done, yes. everyone. Okay. Cool. Thank you. Th- thank you for waiting, everybody. Right. Love, light, and peace. Great to be back. Oh yeah. Uh, what do I say? Until next time. Happy day. Bye. See you soon, all one, all one of you. <laughs> you have been listening to the General Witchfinders. <laughs> Support the show and continue the conversation at patreon.com forward slash general witchfinders. Subscribe and spread the word at generalwitchfinders.com. Farewell. You don't have nightmares. Screenwriter Nigel Neal made in, uh, oh, wait, wait. So, Ross, that doesn't read quite right. With some of the slight changes screenwriter made in the adaptation by General. Right. So, anyway. So, anyway. So, (laughs) leave it in. It's fine. Everyone gets. Uh, You can just read this bit on Wikipedia, guys. Yeah. Weaver's lifted verbatim. (laughs) No. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. Warbyparker.com covered. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.